It was really nice, and it was like I'm, I'm like I'm never going to the Grand Canyon again unless it's winter because when I went in the summer it was so hot. Oh yeah. So it was really nice, and <clears throat> we didn't quite make it to the plateau point, which was our long hike. It was six miles down, okay. six miles up. So we met. We were like literally right there. I think we had like less than a mile left, and we didn't think we had enough time because we had dinner oh. reservations. So we turned around. And we went back up, and I swear I was so sore. Oh my gosh! Walking like, is it like pretty rocky terrain? The trails. So because it was winter and they had like a snowstorm or something, the the last mile and a half was completely ice. Oh, so you needed the crampons to like walk. Yeah. And we had talked to uh, my mom had talked to a guide because she brought the crampons, and the guy was like, oh. If you're an experienced hiker, you shouldn't need them. It's not that bad. It's only like a mile of it or whatever. And we got out there and I was like, I fell twice. Oh my God. <laughs> but nobody else fell. So they were, be- oh no, Casey fell once. But yeah, it was pretty, it was like icy. But then it just cleared up and it got warm. And we got down to the bottom and I think it was like 70 degrees or something. Nice. So it was nice. And you guys did like a 21 mile bike ride? Uh huh. So Holy. that that was a whole other story. So that was two miles from like where you rent the bikes to get to the beginning of like the trail that we did. And then it was two miles uphill with 6% incline. And you then on your five, bike, mi- <laughs> five miles. Yeah, we had gears. Um, five miles down. And then, um, then we had to go back or whatever. It was. Wow. My sister. <laughs> She was she was walking most of it, and she was like, "I'm never doing this again." <laughs> she was so mad, and I was like, "I like riding the bikes. I think this is more fun than the hike." Hmm, that sounds a lot of fun, though. Yeah, I was tired for sure. It was like a tiring but fun weekend. That's good. Yeah, and you made it home. Yes, so we survived. And Casey was so so. I have a reputation of being a bad driver. Okay. And so Casey didn't let me drive the whole way. So I was just like chilling with my phone, hey. <laughs> posting on our social media because I was like, oh, we kind of disappeared for a couple of days. So I was like, okay, we should probably start mm-hmm. ramping yeah. it up. So I started posting. And then you guys are going on vacation soon, right? Again? Yes, we're going this weekend and we'll be back the following weekend. So Yay. Have you ever wondered what your chance of conceiving would be at any given moment of the month? Or what meds will increase your chances of twins? Today we are analyzing all that and more. So this guy named Alan Copperman, he's a medical doctor. He's a director of the Reproductive Medicine of New York. And he stated that we are born with one to two million eggs as women when we're born. By your first period, you will only have 300,000 eggs. So that seems like a lot of a difference. That's a huge drop off. <laughs> I don't know big... what happens because you're not losing eggs during that period. So I guess they just die off or something. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. And then if the woman ovulates 500 times between the age of 12 and let's say 52, assuming that not all of the eggs are healthy, you're left with a very select few of eggs that are truly viable for pregnancy. A little sad, but... I kind of believe that. <laughs> but five... So ovulating 500 times, that's 500 periods then. Between the ages of 12 and 52. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I'm kind of a little bit glad that mine are a little bit spaced out. It's <laughs> <laughs> a big number to think of all at once. Mm-hmm. But And then adding insult to injury, you only ovulate one week of your cycle, so... That's just a little, yeah. little dig there that so you have all of these years and chances, but you have a one-week time frame of getting it right. And that's only if you're, like, normal or perfect or something, right? Yeah. So, like, if you have issues, then it's even less. That sucks. Yeah, so let's start with that downer <laughs> and move on. <laughs> all right, so... I have some stats by age of your chances of getting pregnant. Um, So if you're under 25, you have a 96% chance of getting pregnant within the year 
your first year of trying. That's a pretty good chance. Okay, but not a lot of people are starting to have kids under 25 anymore. Not by choice. Yeah, maybe not by choice, but there's, I don't know, I feel like there's a trend to maybe be older, to have, like, be established in your career or have more of these things. And I know there's a small, like, there's a group of people that are getting married later in life and all that, too, so, like knowing that that if you choose to like party and enjoy your life and like travel and get out and experience life before 25 then you're like using your 96 percent chance (laughs) yes but i also think it's a generational thing i mean if i think of my parents age group you know they're they were kind of pushed to have kids a little bit younger to get Mm -hmm. married younger um careers younger you know just get Mm -hmm. established start life early and then I think our age and younger is very get married older have a career set um you know continue to develop that career as you get older buy a house first Mm -hmm. I think it's it's changed quite a bit but 96 percent that's a really good chance within one year yep so the next age group, 25 to 34, you have an 86% chance within the first year of trying to conceive. So that's not bad either. I mean, it goes down 10%, but 86 is still pretty high. That's really high, actually. All the way to 34, that's pretty good. Yes. Um, your chance of miscarriage within that 25 to 34 years age group is only 10%. Okay, so, well, I mean, 10% is not 1 in 10. Is that 10%? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Skip that. It's fine. Um, 10%. That's so, I don't know. I've never experienced a miscarriage, so I don't really have much to say about it. But even if you are in that 10%, then, um, you know, I'm sorry. It's hard. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Um, the later part of that age group, the 30 to 34, your miscarriage chance goes up by 10%. So you're actually at a 20% chance of miscarriage if you're 30 through 34. So you still have the 86% chance of getting pregnant within the year, but you also have a higher miscarriage percentage. Okay. Which just, you know, is always that, continuing to go up. Is that So that has to do with the egg quality? Like your eggs kind of decline, and so then that's why yeah. you have more, like, uh, chemical pregnancies and stuff? Yeah, that was my understanding of it. And then the age group of 35 to 39, they have a 15 to 20% chance, but your egg quality declines very rapidly. So... And I think that 35 is that age that doctors kind of say, hey, you know, you can still have kids, but you're going to have possibly a lot of other problems. Yeah. I, I know some people that had kids in that age group and they their kids are healthy and happy and it's totally possible. So if you're one of those people that, you know, however life worked out for you and you're starting to try to have kids, like there's still hope. Um, it's not necessarily saying that you're gonna have miscarriages, but we're just saying that there's like a higher percentage chance. Right. And then I heard, so I heard that if you are above like 35, you have a higher chance of having twins. Yes. Because you're like, eggs are all dropping all at once. (laughs) (laughs) So it's your body's last chance and you're, you're like... Give me babies. <laughs> yes. Have you ever, did you ever watch that movie, The um, Father of the Bride? Oh, is that this, with Steve, this, Steve Martin? Yeah, where the in the sequel, the mom gets pregnant at the same time yes. that the daughter does. That movie cracked me up. Yeah, that, that would be a little, very interesting. I can imagine, can you imagine if your mom had another kid right now? Oh my gosh. And you had a sibling the same age as Brody. 
Can you imagine? No. <laughs> I told my mom, I was like, you need to get your tubes tied or something. <laughs> Don't have any more kids. Make sure that John gets a vasectomy. Oh. That's, yeah. I'm sure it happened a lot more back in the day when, you know, you, a lot of people had many kids. Mm-hmm. But actually, well, my husband's mom has actually similar situation there. Really? Yeah, her, so I guess it'd be Jade's grandma had a son about the same time her oldest daughter was having a kid. Oh, wow. I believe, I believe that it was true. Yeah. Well, so like. Around the same time. That's kind of cool. Like Cody's family, his dad has like nine siblings. And so the oldest siblings were like married and in their 20s when his dad was born. And so he has cousins and stuff that are like his age. Yeah. Yeah. Or does that make sense? Uncles. Yeah, he has uncles. Yeah. 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 Hmm. That's wild. Right? (laughs) (laughs) It's going to boggle my mind the rest of the day. It could happen to you. You never know. (laughs) You're not going to be having kids 20 years from now. (laughs) That's a long time. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could do it. Like double your age, or more than double, well, less than double. Less, almost, but still. Hmm. <laughs> All right, moving on. This is gonna, it's <laughs> gonna take over the rest of my day here. <laughs> take you down a rabbit hole. Okay, so these are your chances of getting pregnant right after your period during ovulation and after ovulation. So right after your period, you have a good chance. An egg technically isn't released during that phase, but you may ovulate earlier than you think. So it's good to get some movement going on in your um, activities, (laughs) your sexual activities, because you just never know some People just have weird, you get a random cycle where you ovulate sooner than you were expecting. And it's always good to just cover your bases. And then during ovulation, obviously your chances are very high of getting pregnant. If you have sex within 36 hours, you have the highest chance because your eggs won't live longer than 12 hours. But sperm can live for up to five days if it's healthy sperm. So sex every other day during your fertile window is just as effective as every day. And I mean, your chances are very high during ovulation. That's prime time. Yeah, it's just the matter of figuring out when that time is. Yes. (laughs) You know your window, but you got to narrow it down maybe just a little bit slighter. So after you ovulate, you have a very low chance. But if you ovulate later than you're thinking then you can still have a chance of getting pregnant. This goes with that five days the sperm can live inside you. If you have sex, you think the day that you're going to ovulate, but you ovulate three days later or four days later, that sperm can still be there waiting for the egg and you can still get pregnant. But really, we're, we're looking at like you have like a good five days, five to six days or five to seven days where out of the whole month, you have really a chance of getting pregnant. So just kind of extending your window a little mm-hmm. bit after probably doesn't hurt because I think I'm starting to realize that my body is a little bit later ovulation. I have the dates and I think that's why I've missed it so many times is it happens like days after when I stop tracking those things. So yeah, I found that with the OviSense, at least when I when I did ovulate the couple of times with the OviSense, it was later like day 25 and up to day 35 Mm -hmm. so sometimes if your cycles are longer than you know a luteal phase is typically 12 to 14 days so really whenever you start your period if you go back those 12 days then that's really when you ovulated you're having a 45 day cycle then you're typically ovulating late in your cycle not the typical 14 days after your period kind of a thing. So during your whole cycle, your month, however long your, what am I trying to say? Not your phase, your 
yeah, your cycle. Yeah, your cycle. However long your cycle is, you have a 20% chance per cycle of getting pregnant. No, that's horrible. That's that's the kicker. You go from, oh, your age, you have 96% chance, Mm -hmm. and then you have this, oh, no, it's a 20% chance each cycle you have of nailing it. That's so, and it's a five-day window. I guess that that puts in where the 20% comes from. So if you didn't believe in miracles, I think you may after <laughs> after knowing all of this. Every baby is a miracle. Yeah. And then over 70% of pregnancies are conceived two days before ovulation or your ovulation day. That's a really high number. Wow. So most of the people are getting it because the sperm's in there waiting. Yes. You have sex before and then it's like come to me so I don't have to come to you. (laughs) (laughs) But it makes sense because if your egg only lives for 12 hours, your sperm kind of should be in there waiting. Yeah. I wonder how long do you know? Did you look up how long it takes sperm to go from like into your cervix and into your uterus? No, but I don't don't think I got a time frame, but (laughs) there was something that said, no, position didn't matter because your sperm's going to get there within a minute. So I don't know if maybe that so they're it's quick. the same. Yeah, it's quick. It's, I mean, within minutes, it's already going to be meeting it if it's there. Okay. So, yeah, there was a time frame, but within minutes was kind of what I found. So, I, well, I was trying to look it up, and I couldn't get exact numbers on if you have PCOS, like what it is just without treatments. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find a percentage at all, like when I was looking at it. I didn't look super hard, but I didn't find anything. Basically, everything I saw was like, most PCOS people will respond to treatment yeah. and can get pregnant with treatment. So um, if you're diagnosed with PCOS. All right. So now we get into the. The fun stuff. The, the reason why we are all here. PCOS, you have a 20% chance of getting. With, with treatment. If you're yeah. you have getting pregnant with treatment. So. So I think. Okay, we won't. If I get this wrong, well, we're going to have to we research can, this. Okay, can... okay. So you have the 20% chance per cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think that gets added maybe to the 20% so like chance. Only a 20% chance of your 20% chance. That or they add on top of you. Yeah, I don't know. Because that would seem like that that's more what likely. I, that's what I don't know about. Basically, you have a higher chance of getting the goal of having the baby if you're being active and seeking treatment. That was so. my understanding too. So, and I th- and I read that like the worst thing about PCOS is the fact that it's responsible for the anovulation, which is the no ovulating. So we all know if you're not ovulating, you can't get pregnant. So people with PCOS have less of a chance to get pregnant because they're twenty percent per cycle. If they have less cycles in a year, then that's less percentage. So if you have 50-day cycles, there's 365 days in a year. 50 into 360 is, what, seven roughly? So that's seven periods, seven ovulations versus 12. So that's kind of where it comes from. So the treatment will give you more chances in a year which gives you a higher percentage of conceiving. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. And then I saw that the infertility itself, PCOS, takes up 80% of couples that are suffering from infertility. A huge percent. Yeah. That's probably that's so that's the one in eight. Probably. That makes sense. No. <laughs> well, this sense. is where we got confused last time. Is it <laughs> one in eight people struggling or is it one in eight women have PCOS? That this is where we got caught last time too. <laughs> we were like, "Oh, it's the one of eight How of eight people." Women. I think that's the one. One in, in ten women have PCOS. Five to ten percent of women of childbearing age have PCOS. So that's the the one in ten. No. No. One in yeah. One in ten people have PCOS, and that's based off of the CDC. It was really hard to find these percentages. I really applaud you for finding them because it seemed like... Well, they were all kind of... It's this number or this number. So I kind of took the number I saw the most of. Yeah. 
So take everything that we say with a grain of salt. We aren't doctors. We're Dr. Googles. We're doing the Googling for you. <laughs> We're taking the average of all of these yes. percentages. So And there's actually, so on our Facebook, or not our Facebook, on our Instagram, there was this big drama going on with a doctor was posting that PCOS basically didn't have anything to do with fertility. That's a bunch of malarkey. I know. And it was just like this huge thing and got me all riled up. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is why, like, this is why everybody goes to Google because doctors, there's still doctors out there that will say stuff like that to you that will say like, it doesn't have anything to do with it. You don't need treatment for your PCOS. You need to just keep, you need to lose weight and you need to just keep trying basically. So if you ever hear anything like that, don't let it get to you. Um, find a different doctor. <laughs> just go find a different doctor because nobody needs that in their life. And it's we, we looked true. it up. 20% you have a better chance of getting pregnant with treatment if you have PCOS. So. You take every percentage you can. Mm-hmm. So let me stop this because it's getting close. So just to go back briefly to the PCOS, twenty percent is you have a twenty percent chance of getting pregnant per cycle with treatment. So, so you have good. So the treatment basically puts you on par with the normal people of the world that have a regular twenty percent. Yes, the treatment's giving you the period, which is giving you the same chance. Basically, taking a really short guy standing next to a really tall guy and giving him a little box so he's the same height as the tall guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so next is endometriosis. So although endometriosis can have an effect on your chances of getting pregnant, an estimated 70% of women with mild to moderate endometriosis get pregnant without treatment. So that 70% is obviously it's less than... A regular person, which is like 86%, if you're above 25 to 34, if you're under 25, 96%. So you do have less of a chance, but it is still pretty high. It's very high compared to a lot And of that's others. with um, mild. Mild to moderate. Mild to moderate. So we do know that there's extremes with endometriosis that, especially if you have to take certain treatments and things to deal with the symptoms that you have that can affect it. All right, moving on to the treatments, we have IUI, and that is a 10 to 20% chance of conceiving each cycle. So that's also a little bit lower, but bringing you back up to par with the normal person's chance of conceiving. Which is kind of weird because you would think that it would be a little bit higher since you know exactly when you're ovulating but i guess you have a 20 percent chance if you're a regular person and you know exactly when you're ovulating so i guess right. never mind that makes sense but at the same time your body isn't doing it naturally you're well i guess i guess you still are because the only thing that's different is the sperms being inserted which was going to happen regardless but i mean when you do an iui then they usually have like medications that go along with that right yeah so iui medicated obviously. Unless you're doing like a sperm donor or something and then that would make sense Then it's just regular 20%. Right. If you do the Mosey baby, <laughs> which is a at-home in artificial inseminator corky thing, not a, <laughs> a syringe that you can order that um, people use to do it at home instead of going through your doctor. But I don't know, because if you don't go through your doctor, then you're not getting the medications. I will say, obviously, I've done it through a doctor, and that's how we got pregnant. There is a lot more to it because they're consistently checking you. They're doing ultrasounds. They're monitoring, you know, your egg size and quality. And there's a lot to it just to get you up to the 20%. Next is IVF, which is stands for in vitro fertilization. It's... Ooh. It's about, it looks like it's about the same as, oh, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Oh my gosh, I was looking here and I was like, oh, that's about the same as an IUI. <clears throat> Sorry, so go ahead, I'm going to take it <laughs> since I messed up. So IVF 
you have a 20 to 35% chance each cycle. So slightly higher than the IUI because they're taking out the egg and they're putting the sperm in. They're already taking out the chance of the sperm not meeting the egg. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it makes sense. The chances are higher. Um, but I think there's, so there's different kinds of IVF because there's uh, IVF where you know the quality of the, um, what is it called? What Embryo? Is it called an embryo? Not an embryo yet. What is it called? Follicle? No, when it, once it's fertilized. Is that an embryo? I think it's an embryo. So there's certain, you can run tests to see the grade of the embryo and then choose which ones you want to inseminate with or insert. Fertilize. Fertilize. (laughs) But um, there's certain places where it's cheaper to just not run that test and you can just have them all up there. But then there's, I guess there's different qualities of the eggs. Okay. So your chances of like having a miscarriage and chemical pregnancy can be higher or lower depending on if you do like the tests to find out what the quality is. And then this, I thought this was pretty interesting that your likelihood of conceiving decreases each successful round. I have no idea why that is a thing. So the more rounds you have to do, your chances actually go down of getting pregnant. That's what it said. Is it just meaning... Is it just because you're just realizing that your body's just not working more than like a person who just needs a little bit of extra help? Like maybe you just have to quote a Grey's Anatomy, a hostile uterus. I I thought that was so interesting. I couldn't really get a good. And then I think um, your body doesn't respond to the drugs as well, right? So your body gets used to the drugs and so it takes more and more. So that's kind of would make sense and then there's only so many cycles of each drug you can do right yeah so that would make sense so if you do enough cycles and it's not working then you'd have to change up your medication and ooh, this math does not make sense to me i don't get it either the importance of three full cycles of ivf that increases these okay so percentages are obviously very scary That's something that, um, you know, numbers don't always, they're scary. Numbers can be scary. And there's always the the thing in the back of your head where you're like, I'm going to be the miracle. I'm going to beat the odds. And there's always those odd cases where it's, is the case like the 89 year old woman who had a baby. I just don't understand it, but it happens. Weird things happen. So with these percentages, these are us Googling things. So try not to take it too hard. Um, if you fall into any of these categories, try not to use it in a negative way. We're just mostly saying it out of curiosity. Like, out of curiosity and then also kind of just because we like numbers, <laughs> even if yes. we don't understand them. <laughs> um, and... It kind of knowledge is kind of power. So the realization to me, the the biggest thing for me was finding out about that. You only have a 20% chance per cycle of getting pregnant. And that's if you're a regular person. And I think that was the most powerful uh, bit of information for me. Just blew my mind because everybody just thinks, oh, well, you just have to have sex and you'll get pregnant. And that's obviously not the case. Even if your body is perfect, it's still only a 20% chance. And I think that's why they say wait a year if you're under 35, because there is only a 20% chance. So they're like, oh, well, some people, it just takes time. The timing's not working out. Right. So going back to IVF so that we don't leave it on a negative note. Mm-hmm. So there's a 20 to five, twenty to 35% each cycle chance of, you know, conceiving. Um, if you're younger than 35, uh, your percentage of a live birth per egg retrieval is 54%. So that's a little higher note to end on there. That there's a 50-50 chance that it will take. Okay, well, that's positive. I like that. So we'll end there because I don't want to end <laughs> on a negative because I feel like a lot of people look to IUIs and IVF as almost a very high success rate. So we'll, we'll leave them there. We'll let 
So 50% 50 versus the myth that we talked about when we talked about our myths, tips, and tricks episode that IVF is always successful. That's not the case. We're looking at the numbers, um, 20 to 35% chance of, I guess that would be probably retrieving the eggs and getting the fertilization actually happening. Mm-hmm. And then it's once you have the fertilized egg, then it's a 50% chance that it'll stick. So, and you had some stuff to say about the IUI, about how don't knock it till you try it kind of a thing. Yeah, I was, I just feel like with IUI and I can't speak for everyone, but a lot of people, when they think infertility, they think IVF. Mm-hmm. And I think IUI is a very good place to start. Well, it says 10 to 20% and IVF is 20 to 35%. So they both have that 20% in there. Right. So when you think about it, and it's a cheaper option. Yeah, price-wise, it's definitely worth looking into. And it's um, less invasive. Yep, it's a little more natural occurring. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something worth trying. Right, and I, I think it just needs to be brought, awareness needs to be brought to it. I mean, maybe people who have done IVF have already gone through it, and that's fine. But I think if you're starting out, and, you know, you know, you have PCOS or things aren't working out, look into it. I think it's a good kind of starting place instead of jumping to the If idea. you hadn't had a got Brody after your second cycle, would you have done another cycle of IUI or would you guys have started thinking about IVF? Um, from what I remember, my doctor said that we could do three rounds of IUI. So we probably would have gone through another one. And then explored options and costs for IVF. Okay. But it's hard to say because we didn't get there either. So I don't know how desperate I would have gotten. Probably very desperate. So (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I Cody and I haven't really got there yet with like our journey. We are very on the slow end of everything. (laughs) And so we've kind of put a pause on a lot of stuff. And I don't know... If we would do IUI, if it would get there, I think it depends on our results from like testing and stuff. So like if they said that Cody had horrible sperm, then maybe we'd look more into IVF over IUI just to see what they could do to help what they could do to help with that because I know that it's a little bit more directed. But IVF is expensive. I looked it up and it's expensive. And then if you're in America, (laughs) it's horrible. (laughs) And your insurance does not, depending on your insurance, it does not really cover any of it. So I think same with IUI, but I don't know. I know that in England, you get one free round of IVF, but they don't test the eggs for the egg quality. So you're kind of rolling the dice and... It's, I think that means it's only one retrieval free gotcha. and then one, and then you get to use all your eggs, I think. Hmm. Ovulation. Well, regardless, none of infertility is cheap. There's expenses everywhere to be found. Mm-hmm. Including if you take the $70 bottles of the Ovusol or how do you say it? The, the stuff that makes you ovulate, the... Oh my gosh, you never did that, the Obusol? Is that what I've it's never, unless it was called something different. I've That's what I've been learning is all of these infertility drugs have like three names. This. I never obu- drank anything ob- if that's what. Obusitol? This is, the, that doesn't look like a doctor given It's not, thing. so it's supposed to help with ovulation. It's like a vitamin. What does it do? Because. <laughs> so, Okay, we can come back. The Mayo and Decryo insole, I've ordered that before, um, actually, on Amazon. It's it's supposed to help, like, your eggs develop healthily and, like, set you up for, basically, give you some nice padding and Hmm. all that fun stuff. So, anyway, there's, like, a thing where you pay, like, $80 and you get one month of those little packets and you drink a packet every day. And that adds up. (laughs) Okay. Well, luckily, I didn't have to worry about at least egg quality, but... How did that work anyway? Did they... They just said you you had juicy follicles and then nice eggs. (laughs) So what happened? How did they test... How did they test the quality of that? I honestly don't remember how. I just remember medication 
and I would go in like a week after and they would check the growth rate. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's kind of their way of so it's figuring not out like, healthy eggs. So it's not like how they check sperm because they actually like look at the sperm. Yours is just like a, they measure it. Yeah, they take the size of it growing and assume that it's going to reach a certain size. And if it does, then I guess it's considered healthy. Hmm. But yeah, I do not remember taking anything specifically for egg quality. So, but cool. I'm not going to knock it until, yeah. <laughs> Don't knock it till you try it. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're not releasing the eggs, you're increasing, you're going to 80%. Okay, so moving into fertility drugs, we have Clomid. So there's an 80% chance, no, 80% of the time mature eggs Okay, hold on. I got to read this. 80% of the time. Okay, so 80% of the time there is a mature egg that is released. When using Clomid. Yes, when using Clomid. 10 to 13% of the 80%. I do know that that to be sure. Yeah, so 10 per- My gosh. <laughs> 10 to 13% of the 80% of people taking Clomid. Oh my gosh, what no. is it? I think, so what it is is that... You have 80% of the time you take Clomid, you'll get an egg and release, so you'll ovulate. And then only 10 to 13% of those ovulations will you be have a successful pregnancy and get pregnant. Yeah, per, per cycle. cycle taking Clomid. Very nice. Thank you. So that's horrible. Those chances are horrible. 10 to 13%. That's less than a regular person with the 20% chance of dropping an egg that's huge compared to not dropping an egg yes compared to an anovulatory cycle 80 percent is nice so that will maybe give you more chances of trying to get pregnant yes and with clomid there also is chance of multiple eggs dropping okay so fraternal twins yes and it's not just is it just clomid that does that or is there other ones that do that too there were other drugs but Clomid is kind of the infamous fertility drug, so that's the one that I researched. Hypothyroidism. There's a 76% chance of conceiving within one year. So you lose 10% from the 25 to 34, have an 86% chance of conceiving within a year. If you have hypothyroidism, you go down to 76%. That is how I'm understanding it. Which is pretty good. I mean... Still more than 50%. Way better than 20%. <laughs> yeah. You don't have a, a outlying body. issues. Yeah. yeah. If you don't have any kind of... So these next percentages, these are couple percentages. And they're broken down into smaller increments instead of a year. So if you're in the age group of 20 to 37, which most of us... No, that's not an age group. That is a percent. Okay. So a normal couple within the age groups of the 25 to 34 that we've been talking about, you have a 20 to 37% chance of conceiving within three months. Okay. So that's a little bit smaller increment. And then within six months, it goes to 75%. And then obviously in a year, you're back to that 96, 86%, depending on your age. So basically, if you're normal... Or let's not use the word normal. If you're anything, then one year usually you should be pregnant by then. And if you're not, chances are there's probably something wrong on one or both sides. I think that's fair. Yeah. 75% in six months is pretty good though. Yeah. Like for a regular person, like 75% versus like if you have PCOS, which we do, you have a 20% chance. (laughs) So... 75 is better than 20. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And then this was kind of a a myth of percents that I found. So being overweight does not affect your chance of being pregnant, but being obese brings other issues. So overweight isn't the reason. It just, there's usually other issues that come up. So basically like you start having like hormone problems, which can exacerbate 
symptoms. So like with PCOS, if you're overweight, then your symptoms are can be worse, right? Yeah. So then that just makes your chances higher or lower. Sorry. It makes your chances lower because you're ovulating less. Right, your hormone imbalance, which may prevent ovulation. and But that's if you already have issues, right? So if you don't have any kind of fertility issues and your partner doesn't have any kind of fertility issues, I don't think it makes as high of a percentage difference. Right, they're just saying that, I mean, being obese brings on other issues, which add, eventually they're all going to add up to some reason why you're not either ovulating or becoming pregnant. But the actual, your actual weight doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, it just, it just can make your symptoms worse, which can make it harder. Right. But you know, the stereotype that, oh, you're just, you're too fat. No, it's not your fat. They're, you know, that's not the reason why. I know. I'll go back to it. I'll say it time and time again. Fat people get pregnant all the time and skinny people can have issues and not get pregnant just as much as fat people. So if your doctor just says your only problem is that you're overweight and come back to me when you lose weight, find another doctor. (laughs) Because there's usually underlying issues that need to be treated that even if you did lose weight, you would still have those issues. They just might not be as bad. So you want to get to the root cause. And if you lose weight or you get healthier, along the way there's nothing wrong with that right so but you can get pregnant being above and i and i don't even want to talk about the bmi chart because i hate the bmi i don't think that the bmi is right and people being denied treatment because of their bmi i think is wrong as well um i'm on the heavier side so i kind of get a little my sister says i get too heated in this podcast but (laughs) i get a little heated (laughs) (laughs) about that kind of stuff. So don't let that get in the way of your fertility journey. Don't think that your journey has to stop until you lose weight or you weigh a certain weight. That's not true. Find a doctor who will help you treat your symptoms. And you never know, maybe the weight will kind of go away or, or not. But you, people get pregnant at all shapes and sizes and all phases of life. And People have healthy pregnancies in all phases of life. There's percentages and there's higher chances and all that stuff, but that's not to say that it's not possible and that people don't have healthy pregnancies and babies at any age or weight. All right, let's talk about a fun one. Yay. So uh, your chances of conceiving with a condom. (laughs) I thought this would just be a fun one to throw in there. So you have a 2% chance in a whole year if you were to try conceiving with the condom every time that you have a 2% chance. Can you imagine if that you were like, I would like to have a baby, let's wear a condom. (laughs) But uh, it just brings up that, have you ever seen Friends? I love friends, yes. Okay, so do you remember when they all freaked out because on their little condom it said that there was like a 2% chance of yes. conceiving and then they were like, what? And Joey pulls the condoms out of his pocket and yep. he's like, what? Where does it say that? <laughs> so, so, I mean, hey, 2%. Yeah. <laughs> Going along with that, birth control, um, you have a 1% chance if taken at the same time every day, it's only 1% chance within a year. Mm-hmm. If you don't take it every day at the same time, it's a 9% chance. Pretty high. That jumps quite <laughs> a bit. So be consistent with that if, if that's not what you want. Yeah. But that's only for the pill. So if you're doing like your shots and stuff, then the percentages are different. Right. Yeah, that was the oral, oral pill. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, it's probably going to be higher than the 0.4, but lower than the 33. I bet it's lower than the 33. I'm going to guess like, okay, <laughs> do you want to guess what your chances are of conceiving twins? Okay, okay, I'll guess, I'll guess. So if it's a 20% chance of conceiving just one baby, I'm going to say 9%. Okay, it is 0.4% chance. What? So four out of a thousand people will have twins. 
And that's without any kind of treatment. That's without just treatment. a random chance. Yes. With fertility treatment, your chance goes up to 33%. And that's just because you're taking medications where you can be dropping more than one egg or you're doing IVF and you're inserting more than one egg. Yeah. But going from 0.4 to 33%. It's pretty high. That is the jump with fertility treatments. What's the, I know you don't have the number because I'm looking at your paper, but <laughs> what's the percentage of um, your chance if you have a history of twins in your family? I'll go with your 9%. I'll match that. <laughs> I was hopeful. Can you imagine if there was a 9% chance of having twins every time you had sex? It would just be like, there would be, be a, a lot, lot of twins. Of twins. <laughs> I think we all kind of have that wish and that hope that secretly we'll have twins. I I, uh, I always had that thought. I was like, ooh, what if I really hate pregnancy? If I have a twin, then, you know, that's two babies in one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a two for one. <laughs> I had that thought, but I was like, as long as it's not my first. Because jumping from zero kids to two kids all at once seems like hard. a lot. And I have cousins that are twins and... Um, you know, they have twins that run in their side of the family, but they weren't the first kids, but I think twins are still a lot to handle all at once. So it says here that fraternal twins, it has everything to do with the women's side of the family and that it's 2.5 times more likely that you'll have twins than the average number. So the average number is 0.4, so 2.5 times that. So that would be less than 3%. Hmm. Yep. But that is interesting that it's uh, the mother's genetics that matter. And then, of course, we said that if you're over 35, you have a higher chance. But I still think that's a low chance. So it's three times more likely. If you're over the age of 35 you're three times more likely to have twins than a woman under 20. So that's like, again, that's the same as if you have a history of twins. It's less than 3%. Fibroids. All right. And then the last one I have is fibroids. Um, so having fibroids has no effect on getting pregnant, but you do have a 10 to 30% chance of a pregnancy complication. Yeah, I was actually talking to my grandma about this, and she had fibroids, and she got pregnant easily. No one in my family has struggled to get pregnant besides me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why? <laughs> but all of the women in my family have issues with their uterus, cysts, having the history of getting hysterectomies. I just don't understand. That's a whole yeah. other podcast talking about like going, learning more about Family your family history. history because I don't understand why people don't tell you this. I mean, I get it. It's their, their private medical history and maybe they don't want to be spreading that around, but that could have helped me like Here's my go theory. to my doctor. Now, this might be a little wild, but let's say a few generations back, you know, we had a great grandma who had issues. Mm. She doesn't have the fertility treatment like we do today. So natural selection would have probably knocked her out of having a kid right mm -hmm. but because she had kids her kid is probably going to have similar issues and as technology and medication and everything else gets more advanced the people who once upon a time weren't supposed to have kids at some for some reason or another are continuing to have kids we're just kind of passing this down oh so because a lot but of it is genetics. Yes, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but that is kind of my theory and my understanding of just how family history works. Yeah, so by that thought process, that we're getting more and more infertile as we go on. You know, there was yeah. a miracle baby a few generations back, and I mean, yeah, who knows? I don't know. So you, so you think that maybe Brody will have issues? Maybe not Brody, maybe but if I ever have a daughter, maybe. Maybe you'll pass it genetically through the mother's side. A yeah. few generations either. But, but I, I think it, it's definitely worth a mention to your doctor, like if you... But I mean, I could be completely wrong too. I mean, just because it is a genetics doesn't mean that it couldn't have bypassed. Say, oh, you know, my mom had trouble conceiving me and my grandma had trouble conceiving her, then maybe they would get you tested a lot sooner than if you weren't having, you didn't have any history of family members having issues. 
I just kind of feel like I got stuck with all the crappy genetics because like <laughs> I got all the gut issues and <laughs> the, um, I don't know. It's kind of just luck of the draw what you get. I think numbers can be daunting. Mm-hmm. And when you're already struggling with infertility, I think, you know, you're already maybe in a little bit of a bad headspace and then seeing the cold, hard numbers is a little more devastating. But I think that anyone can overcome the odds. I think there are miracle babies that happen all of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that we know our be- bodies better than statistics. Yes. So that would be my my parting message, that there is always hope. There's always a chance to overcome the odds. And yeah, be in tune with your body to know what's best for yourself. Yeah, and if you think that there's anything wrong, then you know um, most of the statistics that we looked up, your chances get better with interventions, with um, talking to your doctor so you can get the ball rolling on stuff. So maybe you were diagnosed with PCOS when you were a teenager and they threw you on birth control and you're popping out of your birth control times and you're thinking maybe you want to have kids, but you're not sure. Tell your doctor, hey, I have PCOS. I My plan is in the next couple of years, I want to get pregnant. And then maybe they can start working with you on how to control it because um, we actually have a friend who knew she had PCOS and she went the homeopathic treat yourself kind of treatment and she got pregnant. So you just never know what you can do that will increase your odds. And I think that having help is always going to help you. Thanks guys for listening. Follow us on our Instagram at life's fertile questions podcast. Please give us a like a subscribe, give us a rating, a review, leave us a review. We'd love to hear feedback from you guys. We think we fixed the sound problem that we were having the first couple of episodes. So let us know if this is working out better for you. And yeah, thanks for listening in every week. Catch us every Wednesday. Message us with any podcast topics you'd like us to rant about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if you guys want to share your story, we want to share your story. So um, if you're open and willing, send us a message and maybe we'll get your story up on this podcast because you never know who you're going to help with your story. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.